Welcome back to Mama Mystery Headlines. I am your host, Kelly, and today is February 3rd, 2023, and I'm going to be sharing with you some of the headlines from this week that have caught my eye. So our first story today is on Alec Murdoch. So Alec Murdoch's trial started this week, and he is currently accused of murdering his wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul. If you are unfamiliar with this story, we covered it in episodes 75, 76, and 77. But just to refresh your memory with a quick recap, Alec Murdoch is the patriarch of a prominent family in the Lowcountry region of South Carolina. Alec and Maggie were married and they had two sons together, Buster and Paul. So in 2015, an openly gay classmate of Buster's named Stephen Smith was found dead on a rural road with blunt force trauma to his head. During the initial investigation, many people came forward to accuse Buster of having something to do with it because he allegedly had this secretive relationship with Stephen. But the investigation ended up going cold, and many people believe it's because the Murdochs held such prominence in the area. In 2018, their longtime housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, fell on their front porch and hit her head on one of the brick front steps. She suffered a severe head injury and died 20 days later. However, no autopsy was performed and her cause of death was ruled as a natural. Alec was a part of a major law firm in the area and he offered to handle the settlement with her insurance company for Gloria's two sons. They were ultimately awarded $4.3 million but never saw a dime of it because Alec Murdoch and two of his cohorts diverted the payments to an account that Alec owned and never told the boys. In 2019, Alec's son, Paul, was involved in a boat crash with five of his friends. He was driving the boat intoxicated and crashed into a bridge pillar. Some of the friends suffered serious injuries, but one girl, Mallory Beach, was ejected from the boat and died. Despite Paul obviously being intoxicated at the time, he was never given a field sobriety test. He was never booked or put in jail. Many people believe he was given preferential treatment because of his last name. Mallory's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit, and it really started to unravel some of the shady shit that Alec had been doing for years. In 2021, a hearing was scheduled for Alec to surrender his financial statements and information, but just days before he was set to appear, on June 7th, he called 911 claiming that he had just found his wife and son hurt badly. Both Maggie and Paul had been shot multiple times at the family's dog kennels near their home. At the time, Maggie was living apart from Paul, and they were having serious marital issues. So when he suggested that day for Maggie to meet him at the house, she texted a friend with concerns that he was up to something. But Alec claimed that he was visiting his parents before arriving home to find Maggie and Paul shot. A few months later, on September 3rd, Alec resigned from the law firm where he worked after he was confronted with accusations of embezzling funds from multiple clients. And the very next day, September 4th, Alec was parked on the side of a rural road after getting a flat tire, and he claimed that a a truck drove up to him, shot him in the head, and then drove away. But Alec's gunshot wound was only superficial, grazing his head, so he survived. Two days after that, he checked himself into a rehab after admitting he was struggling with substance abuse and an addiction to pills. Eight days after that, it was revealed that the drive-by shooting was actually a conspiracy to commit an assisted suicide so that Buster could receive the payout from his life insurance policy. 
In November, Alec was charged with 27 counts of embezzlement and other various financial crimes, totaling almost $9 million dating all the way back to 2011. So after rehab, Alec was arrested and taken into custody. He was disbarred from practicing law in South Carolina, and in July of 2022, he was charged with murdering Paul and Maggie with belief that the motive was to distract from all the financial crimes he was being accused of. So the trial for the murder started this week, and with that, first responders testified to what they witnessed the night of the shooting, and also footage from Paul's cell phone was released that shows a video he recorded just minutes before his own death. Now, Alec's defense is that he was not present at the time of the murders because he was visiting his parents, but in this Snapchat video recorded just minutes before his death, Paul is recording from within the dog kennels, and you can hear two voices in the background. One appears to be Maggie's and the other appears to be Alex's voice, even though you never actually see his face in this particular video. But a close friend of the family testified that he is 100% sure that the voice is Alex. In another video Paul recorded, you see Alex standing near a tree wearing khaki pants and a blue button-up shirt. And according to a representative from Snapchat who testified at the trial this week, this video was taken just hours before the murders, but when police arrived after the shooting, Alec was wearing shorts and a clean white t-shirt. The trial is still ongoing and is expected to last about three weeks, so we will keep you updated as new information comes out. The trial of Aiden Fucci is set to begin on Monday, February 6th, as the final pretrial hearings wrap up this week. We covered this case in episode 68 if you want to familiarize yourself with this story. Aiden is accused of luring 13-year-old Tristan Bailey to a secluded area and stabbing her 114 times. He faces a first-degree murder charge, and he is being tried as an adult despite being 14 at the time of the murder. He has pleaded not guilty, but he is not facing the death penalty. Rather, if convicted, he could spend the rest of his life in prison. Since his arrest, he has been housed at the Duval County Jail, and while he has been there, he has been very problematic. He has been pepper sprayed by police multiple times for being defiant. He's also been combative with other inmates in the jail by bullying, fighting, and extorting other inmates, forcing them to give him items from commissary. When officers went to his cell to get the commissary and give it back to who bought it, Aiden threw what can only be described as a tantrum, beating on his cell door and threatening to kill the officers and their families. In November, his attorney filed a motion to move him out of solitary confinement because he was experiencing, quote, ongoing torture. And that solitary confinement is, quote, a form of cruel and unusual punishment that will result in psychological harm, end quote. Now, as far as psychological harm, I think the damage is already done. And if we're really going to bring up cruel and unusual punishment, let me just say this. Tristan Bailey was an innocent girl who was stabbed 114 times. 114 times. That is cruel and unusual punishment. Solitary confinement, honestly, is probably too good for Aiden Fucci.
This next story will surely give you nightmares. A 66-year-old woman was found gasping for air after she'd arrived in a body bag at a funeral home. She'd been staying at the Glen Oaks Alzheimer's Special Care Center in Urbandale, Iowa, but on January 3rd, a staff member checked on the woman and couldn't find a pulse and noted that the woman did not appear to be breathing. So this staff member notified a nurse, and this nurse said that there were no breath sounds, and she also checked the woman's abdomen and found no movement and was also unable to find a pulse using her stethoscope. So she was sent to a funeral home and about at about 8.26 a.m., funeral home staff unzipped the bag and observed that her chest was moving and she was gasping for air. So they called 911 and the woman was taken to a nearby hospital before being transferred back to the care facility where she later died on January 5th, surrounded by her family. The facility was fined $10,000 for failing to ensure residents received dignified treatment and care at end of life. The director of the facility released a statement and said they have been in close communication with the patient's family and, quote, we just completed an investigation by the Department of Inspections and Appeals regarding the matter. We care deeply for our residents and remain fully committed to supporting their end-of-life care. All employees undergo regular training so they can best support end-of-life care and the death of our residents. A radiologist in California is being charged with the attempted murder of his wife and two children after he allegedly drove their Tesla off a 250-foot cliff. 40-year-old Dharmesh Patel was driving the family's white Tesla Model Y when witnesses said he drove straight off the notorious Devil's Slide cliff without attempting to brake or swerve. The car dropped about 250 feet before crashing at the bottom, and miraculously, they all survived. The kids, a 4-year-old boy and a 7-year-old girl, were both in child safety seats, The boy suffered virtually no injuries, but his sister suffered from significant injuries, although she was released from the hospital and her physical injuries aren't expected to be life-altering. Darmesh's wife, Niha, is the only victim who remains in the hospital this week as she suffered the most severe of the injuries. But immediately after the crash, she told first responders, quote, he tried to kill us. He intentionally drove off the side. Upon his release from the hospital, Darmesh was taken straight to jail, and he is expected to enter a plea on February 9th. Rescuers who arrived at the scene were amazed that everyone survived because nobody who has driven off that notorious cliff has ever survived, let alone four people in one vehicle. The car was unrecognizable, and they had to use the jaws of life to get the kids out. It truly is a miracle that they survived. And now for a happy ending, a nine-year-old little girl is being recognized by the Yale School of Public Health for her scientific research. Bobby Wilson is a fourth grader in Caldwell, New Jersey, and back in October, she was in her neighborhood when she noticed a species of lanternflies infesting some of the trees along the street. She'd learned about these bugs last year and how invasive they were to trees, so she researched a homemade solution to kill the bugs to stop the infestation and save the trees. While she was spraying her mixture on the bugs, a neighbor named Gordon Lashi 
called the police to say, quote, there's a little black woman walking, spraying stuff on the sidewalks and trees on Elizabeth and Florence. I don't know what the hell she's doing. Scares me, though. End quote. Really, Gordon? When police arrived, they approached little Bobby and she asked them, am I in trouble? To which the two officers immediately responded no and asked her how many trees she had saved. The video of the incident went viral, and while some people were outraged by the apparent racial profiling by this neighbor, the community also wanted to praise Bobby for her efforts and her love of science. So she was awarded with the Caldwell Environmental Commission's Sustainability Award, and Yale held a ceremony just for Bobby. She brought her collection of 27 spotted lanternflies, and it was entered into the university's Peabody Museum of Natural History. That concludes today's episode of Mama Mystery Headlines. Join us next week as we dive into the story of American businessman and suspected serial killer, Herb Bomeister. Until then, have a great weekend. 